joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up and continue on with our Wake Up series. Uh, it, uh, in a... In a, you know, we're still kind of in that post time change. Uh, it's been kind of, uh, you know, nasty, yucky, like curl up on the couch weather the past few days. So maybe the idea of wake up is still real relevant just for you this morning. Maybe you have not woken up yet. And I hope that by the time we get finished, you will have woken up, um, not just in your uh, life right here in the moment, but maybe in your faith as well. I'll share a little bit about myself. When I turned 16, I think that was in 2000, somebody can do the math for me, I was born in 83 when I've turned 16 in 2000, somewhere around in there, I got my drive, I started driving in 10th grade, so that would have been around 2000, um, this was my first car, 1986 Honda Accord LX, got to put that luxury on there. You know, and this was the sales pitch when my dad brought it home. I didn't get a say in my first vehicle. My dad just rolls up and he goes, hey, I bought you a car. And I'm like, well, thank you. I don't like it. And uh, he goes, I really didn't ask if you liked it. He said, I bought you a car. And this was his sales pitch. He goes, in 1986, it was the nicest Honda Accord you could buy. This was the interior. Um which was not any better than the exterior. As a matter of fact, whoever's picture this is, they've actually got a CD player in there. They did not have CD players, obviously, in 1986. Uh, it had flip up and down lights on the front. It had a sunroof, which was great because it had no air conditioning, which was wonderful for West Tennessee summers. And uh, Dad's like, if you drive fast enough, it'll feel like air conditioning, but don't drive too fast, you know. Uh, I only got three speeding tickets in that car. None of them in the same town. I tried to space those things out so I wouldn't get in too much trouble. For a little four-cylinder, it had a little bit of get-up-and-go enough for me. Um, I made great memories in this car as a teenager. It was my first car. I, I will always look at this particular car, this particular image, with a, um, a lot of, of great memories, even though it is quite possibly, and I, I searched to find the color, might quite possibly be one of the ugliest color cars that there is. And like I said, the interior only took it to a completely different level. I didn't have the khaki floorboard things down there, but I mean, it does not, it not any better without them. Um, what I really wanted was a Mustang. Really wanted the Mustang, and that's not what I got. And uh, I'm still waiting on that one. It's, it still has not rolled around yet. But like I said, a lot of great memories. How many of you remember your first car? How many of you have a lot of the same feelings about your first car? That it was your first car, great memories. But if you had had your choice, would your first car had been your first car? Most of us, probably not. Most of us, probably not. But here, here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. As we look at it, and as you have memories of your first car, 
You see past the ugliness, right? You see past the fact that this is not the coolest car in the world. You see past the fact that the interior is ugly and that, you know, I mean, this car, this car burnt oil like nobody's business. I mean, it, I don't know where it went, but it did not stay in the car. It never smoked, but it never stayed in the car. I don't know what it did. I don't know where it went. Um, I never had to change the oil in it because it always had new oil in it. But I look at it and guess what? That was my car. That was my car. And it didn't matter what it looked like. Those, that was my car. Those were my memories. It was such a wonderful thing. I, I, my senior year, my dad showed up at high school, showed up to high school one day with another car. Um, I think he spent $4,000 this time, so we've doubled in a couple of years. And I'm like, let me drive it home. He's like, no, no. I wrecked this car on the way home the last day I drove it got in a three-car accident, and it broke my heart because it was my car, my memories. It was, it was so comfortable, you know, because it was mine. I want you to keep all of that in your thoughts here as we open up and get to our section starting in verse 17 today because Paul is going to address that mindset, that mindset of comfortableness in your life. He, and he's going to do it in a way that, that he's, he's coming from this idea that we have been called to live in faith. We've been called to live as Christians. And we've been called when we've made that decision. It's not just that God has said, hey, come do this. You said, I'm going to do this. If you've made the commitment to be a Christian, if you've had your sins washed away in baptism as, as he promises they will be, if you're baptized, if you've received the Holy Spirit in that moment, just as he promises you will, you have said, it's, it, sometimes we make it all about, well, God's telling me to do this. And that's, that's not the case. That's not the case. God has not told you to do anything. God has said, if you're going to follow me, I want you to do these things. And you know what you said? Okay, you, excuse me, you have agreed to do these things. But the problem is we get so comfortable in certain, excuse me, certain aspects of our life, certain areas in our life, we get comfortable in sin in our life, especially in our old life. In our old life, we get so comfortable in the sin that we might have come out of that it's so easy to retreat back to the comfortableness of that old lifestyle, to look at that old car and it be beat up and old and ugly as can be, but you look at it and you go, but it's mine. And I feel so comfortable when I sit down in it and I start it and I put my hands on the steering wheel and I am just hot as all get out as I'm driving. You know, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter because I'm comfortable in this moment. And he said that we all have this challenge in our life that if we're not careful, we get comfortable in our sin as well. So he's going to address that. So let's read a couple of verses and look at a few things, and then we'll kind of we're going to cover several kind of verses here, but we'll start in verse 17. So he says, So I tell you this, 
And I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futil- in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Okay, what's he saying here? What are we what are we kind of talking about here for just a moment? I believe that what he's giving us here, let's, let's kind of keep it in the uh the car kind of idea, our, our old car idea. He's giving us the specs, if you will, of the old life. You've made a commitment to live as a Christian. You've made a commitment to live as a Jesus follower. You have looked at you have looked at Jesus and go, I'm going to accept your salvation. I'm going to accept your forgiveness. I'm going to enter into this covenant with you. And I agree, since you're giving me these things, I'm going to do the things you ask of me. But he's saying, some of us have that struggle of going back. He says, I want to remind you what going back into that comfortableness is. He says that it is full of pointless thinking or futile thinking. The the thoughts that you have, the conversation that you have, the things that become important to you are futile. They're pointless. They don't come to any resolution of any importance. He says, and because of that, it has darkened their understanding. When you focus and and, and talk about things that really just, they don't matter, you get to a place where your understanding is based on insignificant things. And so the the view, the way that you look at the world around you is, is darkened. There's nothing there to brighten it up. It's just a dull view of the world. And he says, because of that, it leads you to a life that is separated from God. And that's an important statement, especially as Christians, because we like to think, hey, I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with God. But if we keep bouncing back and forth, okay, if we keep bouncing back and forth and get to the, keep going back to where it's comfortable, then what that's going to do is it's going to just damage that relationship little by little. And if we're not careful, we get to a place that we may feel like I have God, but really and truly I've separated. And he said, in that moment, we become ignorant. We have a hardening of the heart. And it leads us to indulge in every kind of impurity and full of greed. In other words, we just can't get enough. We just can't get enough. There's no restrictor plate in our life. And and why do we become that way? I think you see it in the phrase, having lost all sensitivity. They got to the point where they see past the old car. And it's all about comfort. It's all about my memories. It's all about it just feels right and it feels good. So I keep going back to it. And, and why does Paul bring this up? Well, number one, he's like, I want you, I want you to remember, I want you to remember that you, you've agreed to this. <coughs> you've agreed to this 
in your life. And he's wanting to, you know, remind the Christians that you can't hold on to the past anymore. You've got to let go. And so that's our first kind of idea and reminder here. We can't stay in it. Okay, so let's pick up in verse 20 and let's read through verse 24 together. He says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your old former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, to me, he has a very parenting phrase here. This is not the way of life you learned. In other words, you know better. Why, why did you do this? You know better. I think as a parent, as a parent, that's one of the most frustrating things is when at the end of the day, your child, and we've all done it, we, we've all, we're all guilty of this, but when your child does something that you know that they know better. We've talked about this. We've had this conversation. You know that if you do X, Y is going to happen to you. You, you. you know better than this. And then if they get into a habit where they just keep repeating that and repeating that, of course, that, that's part of the growth process, right? We, we, we all fall down and stumble down that road. But, but as a parent, you just want to look at them and just kind of be like, look, you know better. Why do we keep doing this? And I think Paul's saying the same thing. He's saying, hey, you, you know better. You, you, you were taught differently. If we go back and look, he says, this is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. And he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. And so when he says that, again, it brings me back to this idea that I think there's people there struggling. He's having to have this conversation because there's people that's going back and they're, they're, they're uncovering the car that they've still got in the driveway from when they're 16 years old. And they open the door and they slide right into it and it just feels good. And they take it for a spin and they're living it. They're, 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 it's just, maybe it's just for a minute. Maybe it's just for a moment. But I've got to get it out of my system. It, it's so comfortable. It makes so much sense to me. And I just want to be honest. Let's just be honest, okay? And understanding that really and truly, I, I just want to be real about it. I understand that the transition from sinner to Christian is not always easy. The transition from Christian to, oh, I'm sorry, from sinner to Christian is not always easy. When I look in our auditorium, when I look in our room and I, and I think about my life and, and different things, it is a blessing. And, and some of us, um, many of us are blessed this way, that from day one, from day one, I've been in church. From day one, I've been in church, and I've always been here. I've had struggles, yes, but 
But this was a constant. It's, I've, 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 always, I've always been here. Some of us are there. It doesn't make us better, okay? But I think what it does is it puts us in a place that sometimes we forget that that transition from sinner to Christian is difficult. Because there are going to be people along our journey that, number one, they've been here with me up to a certain point, and what do they decide to do? Go and live it some other way. They're going to get in the car, and they're going on a road trip. And they're going to be gone a while. And we don't understand that. Why? Because we've always been here. And it's so easy to be judgmental. Well, you know better. Yeah, they know better. But it's hard sometimes. And when they come back, you, just want to, you, you knew better. Like You just kind of want to be like a parent. But then there's also these people that, that have never been a part of it, and they come into it, and, and that's who Paul's talking to. Paul is talking to a group of people who have not really ever had a relationship with God in any way, and they've come into a life of Christianity, and he's saying, don't go back. Don't do it. But I want you to know that I understand that that transition from what you've always lived to now what you've agreed to live can be so hard. And God understands that. That's why grace and the understanding of grace is so important, that we love in a grace-filled way and we minister in a grace-filled way and we talk about repentance and forgiveness in a grace-filled way because I think that's what Paul's doing here. He's doing his best in a loving way to call you back out of the comfortableness of your old life and back into the newness that is being created for you in a life with Jesus. But I want you to know this morning, if you're struggling with that transition, it's okay. Not that it's okay to sin, But I want you to know this morning that this is a place that will help you in that struggle. That will work with you in that struggle. That will minister to you and love you and pray with you through that struggle in the effort to get you out of the car and into back into your new life. That is what we're called to be. But Paul's reminding us here, don't go back. You have put on something new. You've put on something better. You've put on something greater. Let's live in it. And remember, I've made the commitment to live here. Let's not make steps backwards. Then he wraps up our section here really and truly, I think. And if we keep with our, our kind of theme He's not really giving us a to-do list, although there is a to-do list mentality here. It's not a checklist, but I believe he's giving us the new specs of our new life. Let's read through those together, starting in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now listen, if we begin to break verse 29 through the end of this chapter down to verse 32, if we begin to try to break it down and be like, this is the life that I'm supposed to live, I'll be honest with you, it can, it can seem daunting. When I begin to make the Word of God a checklist of do's and don'ts, it, it feels very cumbersome. But what does Jesus say? He says, my yoke is what? Easy and my burden is light. So I, I don't want to sit here and, 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 and like make this big long list and, and make Paul sound like he's giving you like this unobtainable, unobtainable life to live. What I think Paul is doing is he's giving us some check marks along the way to look at and go, when you begin to struggle in this way, Okay, when you begin to, when you notice, let's just kind of look, when you notice that, hey, you're, you're, you've kind of gotten in the habit of lying a lot, or your anger is leading to sinful things, or when, when you're about shortcuts and stealing and not giving your effort fully, when your speech becomes unwholesome, Okay, when you're getting to this point, when you're purposefully doing these things and you realize you're doing these things and you do them anyway as a Christian, I think he's giving us some checklist things here to hold up and go, oh yeah, this reminds me I can't be this way. It's, it's, it's something for, it, it, it's, it's a guide, it's a map if you will, not a, not a burdensome list that I have to be perfect because we're never going to be perfect. But when I see that maybe I'm really struggling with one of these things, it gets my attention and says, oh yeah, I'm getting comfortable back in my old life. I'm going back to my old ways. I'm not living in the newness that God has called me to. But what I really want to focus on in this section is to me, the, the specs of the new life, the great things that come on. When you walk onto a car lot, when you walk onto a car lot, what do they start talking to you? What do they start talking to you about? Hey, this car has this, this car has this, this car has you need, you may not realize that you need air conditioned seats, but your life will never be the same if you drive a car with air. Have anybody ever sit in a car with air conditioned seats? It is wonderful. Wonderful. Especially in this hot, humid out, like I would, I would, oh, man, that would be a sales pitch, you know. Uh, Self-driving cars now. I mean, you know. Although I did see a video the other day of a um, traffic jam of self-driving cars. They got in a traffic jam. And they couldn't figure out what to do. Um, so you never know the good. Got to take the good with the bad. There. Paul's gonna in in, in three statements. He's going to say, here are some great specs. Here are the great benefits of this new life that far outweighs any of the comfortableness that you've had in your old. He says, number one, we're all members of one body. We're all members of one body. And I look at that and I see this idea of we're never alone. We're never alone. That we always have someone to be there with us when we face the challenges and the heartaches and the disappointments and the temptations of this world. I do not have to go through those things alone. We are all part of a family. We're all part 
of one body. Sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we cry, right? We're all together. We live in a world that they tell us is more connected than ever. There is more connectivity. We can gather information, share information. We can communicate with people at a faster rate than we have ever been able to our entire existence. But we also live in one of the time we also live in a time that more people suffer from anxiety and depression than ever before. And it's because some of that connectivity has also caused great isolation. I don't have to go knock on my neighbor's door to know what's going on in their life. What do I have to do? I, have to get, I can get on social media and I can see what they cooked for supper last night, the night before, 15 nights ago. Whether I care or not, I can see. So we feel connected, but we've lost that human, that human connectivity. He says, we're all members of one body. We all function together and we live this life together. He says that you are sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, you're marked for delivery. You're marked for delivery. We're wrapping presents at our house right now. Okay, let me back that up. Blair's wrapping presents at our house right now. Um, I'm the best gift wrapper of the family. Um, I really am. I really am the best gift wrapper of the family. But I don't come in until crunch time. You know, I don't come in until crunch time. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do. We've been married five or six years, and I had wrapped a bunch of her presents and gave them to her, had given them to her. And she's like, those are gorgeous. Who wrapped those? I said, well, I did. She goes, I didn't know you could wrap. I go, exactly. The reason. But she's put fake names on all the, on all the boxes, on the tags, so the kids can't figure out what's theirs. She's marked them for a certain day. A promise, hey, there's a name on this tag, it's for somebody, and there's going to come a day when you get to open it, and it's going to be worth it. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us in our faith. And he says, this is one of the greatest selling points. He says, when you become a Christian, what, is he, what, what does the Bible say in Acts 2, verse 38? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that that gift does is it marks you for the day of redemption. It seals you and says, this is going to be delivered to God. This person is going, his soul, his spirit, he's going to be delivered to God on the day of our resurrection, on the day of our redemption. And he's going to be presented to God. This belongs to God and it's his. And there's going to come a day where he gets to have all the benefits and all the greatness of seeing all of his children gathered around his throne. We get that from the Holy Spirit, that we are going to be with God one day for all and all and all of eternity. And then the last thing he says at the very end, he says, God forgave you. I read somewhere that one way to think about that is God stopped feeling angry at you. God stopped feeling angry at you. A memory popped up on my Facebook back a few weeks ago, and it's one of my favorite memories that pops up because I remember this moment as plain as day, but we were at the post office in Arkansas, and I don't know what had happened inside of the post office, but Collins was probably five, 
six, maybe not that old, maybe four, somewhere around in there. And when the door of the truck opens, all I hear in the con- of the conversation is Collins go, well, yeah, I'm tired of you being mad at me. That's the only part of the story that I know, but it's my favorite part. Forgiveness is when I know God's not mad at me anymore. When I mess up, God's not mad at me anymore. God's not angry at me anymore. And he, we, we have ultimate forgiveness from him. And as we live this life and we walk in the light, even when we fall, even when we stumble, as long as we're still trying to stay in that direction, because remember, we're not perfect. We're never going to do anything perfect. We're going to fall. I know because I've gotten his forgiveness and I'm walking in his light that when I do stumble, when I do sin, he's not mad at me. He may be disappointed. Absolutely but he's not angry with me. I don't have to feel like that's hanging over my head. I can use that, though, as motivation to get up and keep going. Because, you know, when I feel like everybody's mad at me, do I want to get up and try harder? No. I just want to sit there and be frustrated. You're mad at me. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be mad and frustrated at you. No, God's not mad at us. He loves us. He's forgiven us. So I use that as motivation to get up and keep going. The great specs of a new life. Let me tell you what. This ugly thing was a great car. A great car. That not so much. This is the 2024 Honda LXS. Luxury sports. Look at the interior of that thing. Honda's come a long way, haven't they? Honda has come a long way. What Paul is saying in this passage, don't settle for this. Yeah, it's great. It served a wonderful purpose. You've got great memories, but this is what you've got now. And guess what? You're not stuck with this. You get a new one every year. It just keeps getting better. You just keep living in newness and renewal in God where your life is greater and more wonderful. I'm not going to say better by worldly standards, but it is fuller today than it was yesterday and will be fuller next year than it is now in his spirit and in his love and in his mercy. So don't keep going back. Don't settle for comfortableness. Settle for greatness and holiness and the mercy of God. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning and to be reminded of the newness that comes in the life with you, the wonderfulness that comes in that life. But God, it's so easy to step back and so easy to go back to what is comfortable. But we also know just in life that growth comes when we get out of the comfortable. So help us to be okay with being challenged in faith and in love and in grace. Help us to lean into you and to know that what you offer us is so much greater than what the world ever can. But in those moments where we struggle and we want to go back, God, just give us the strength to to resist. But if we do, we do go back into that comfortable life, God. Help us as brothers and sisters 
to reach out and to lovingly bring those people back and help us to see your light again. God, we thank you for your love and grace and mercy every day. Help us to live in that motivation and to let our light shine everywhere we go. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Instagram. And Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.